This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Tucker Smallwood from Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm your host for today, Brandon Shamatella. Floyd is still away on his secret Section 31 mission, but we've got a fun little conversation for you with a couple of new voices um, for Warp 5. I don't think either of them have been on here before. One of them I know hasn't, but the other one I'm not too sure. We've got Uber Enterprise fan and friend of the network, Brandon Coles. How are you doing, Brandon? doing great brandon thank you brandon brandon so b1 and b2 so um thanks for joining us tonight i really appreciate it so you've been a listener of the show for quite a while and you're a big enterprise fan when did you first discover star trek enterprise i watched it when it was first uh on on there excellent right on and and so you always liked it or was it something that had to grow on you i always liked it i liked the song as well but because of their contradictions and retconning, I sort of had to separate it from the rest of the Star Trek universe for a little while. Ah, so you think it's a separate timeline? No, no. I, it's came it's came into the prime timeline for me now. After the books I read. Okay, right on, right on. And also joining us today from Trek FM's own show, Stage Nine, is Mike Schindler. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing okay. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. I uh, I'm doing just fine. It was a nice warm day here at work, and uh, and I got to read in my van on my lunch break and listen to some music, and it was great. So, cool. we're having a fun episode for you tonight. We did it a little while ago, something similar to this. Uh, we had John Tenuto on, and we compared the Enterprise episode Dawn to the science fiction movie. Uh, Enemy Mine. And we're going to do that again tonight, but we're going to do it with a different set of movies and different set of episodes. Tonight we're going to be comparing the second season episode Marauders 
to the Western, The Magnificent Seven. And we're also going to touch on uh, Seven Samurai a little bit because The Magnificent Seven is actually a remake of the old Japanese film directed by Akira Kurosawa called Seven Samurai. And I think Seven Samurai is probably my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it probably 50 times, and it's an absolute masterpiece. And I thought it was quite interesting when we were doing our From There to Here rewatch because I hadn't seen Marauders in a quite a long time. And I'm watching it, and I'm like... This is this is the Magnificent Seven, just done in space. And uh, I, I had said that during our From There to Here rewatch. And so I've had this idea in the back of my mind for a little while here. Mike, do you want to give us a summary of Seven Samurai? Uh, sure. Seven Samurai is a movie about a, a, a village which is being um, terrorized by a baron or, or something some some guy who basically is forcing the this this town of farmers to hand over their crops to him or, or or whatever correct me if i'm wrong on this it's been a while since i've seen the movie and uh you know basically the, some of the people in the town are like this isn't good we we need to stand up for ourselves but at the same time we're not samurai or warriors or anything like that who can fight off these guys. So we need to hire some samurai to uh, defend us. So they go out uh, looking for some samurai, and they find a, a, a group of... of um, About seven of them. Yeah, like seven samurai <laughs> who are, you know, maybe down on their luck, and maybe, you know, they're not the best in the world, but they're they're willing to do this for various reasons. And uh, you know they try to to fend off the uh, the 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 evil people who are stealing their crops and hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Now, Magnificent Seven remake of it takes place in Mexico instead of Japan, and uh, in a nutshell, it's basically the same thing. We got a, a group of of Mexican farmers who grow corn and. They got these bandits that come every year and and take as much of their corn as they can, and they get tired of it, so they decide to hire some uh, gunslingers. And uh, actually, they were. It's a little different than Seven Samurai because in Seven Samurai, they're specifically sent out to hire the samurai, and in Magnificent Seven, they're sent out to buy some guns, and they end up hiring out these uh, these gunslingers instead. So they they hire you know about seven of them somewhere around there, and uh, they come down and they try and protect their farm and you know there's a little bit of differences between the two it's a little bit of a modern take on it uh rather than just paying them food they actually do pay them the sum of twenty dollars each and uh hijinks ensue now brandon coles did you want to give us a summary of the episode marauders episode marauders is um it's it's basically the same thing but nobody dies in the episode uh there's a klingon quark is that how you pronounce it Works for me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's coming trying to take all their deuterium, and the colonists are fed up with it, and the, the crew of the Enterprise help out with it. Basically, in a nutshell, it's the same kind of thing, except uh, the Enterprise is there to buy goods rather than being hired. They're there to buy the deuterium, and uh, the, the miners don't really want them around, but they ask them for some help to fix some of their parts, and, and they decide to stick around and help them defend their 
they're deuterium mine because they're supposed to be making a lot of money and they're not and and hijinks ensue and it's a little bit more tame because it's a tv version it's a little bit trimmed down from i mean the seven samurai is three and a half hours long you know and uh magnificent seven's just over two hours and and marauders when you take out the theme song is 40 minutes. minutes yeah so you know it's, it trims it down a little bit but based on that you guys think that this is a pretty fair comparison you think that do you think marauders would be a remake of uh magnificent seven yeah, I think for sure. Uh, there, I mean, there's no way that they can deny that it was inspired, you know, by the Magnificent Seven or or Seven Samurai, and you know, I mean, it's certainly altered um, in in a few, you know, key ways in order to sort of like fit inside, you know, the the Star Trek box in a sense. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting how they flip it in terms of. Um, in the movie, the villagers need to convince the samurai or the the gunslingers to help them, whereas in this, it's the gunslingers convincing the villagers to let them help. You know, and so so that that's kind of an interesting flip and stuff like that. But I think it, it, there's no way that it wasn't you know sort of like an inspiration. There's no way that someone in that writer's room wasn't like. Let's do Magnificent Seven in space, you know. I mean, that's definitely how it went down, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, you're kind of the guy that knows the behind the scenes and the movie credits and, and how everybody gets credited on things. So this is given a story by Brandon Braga and Rick Berman and a teleplay by David Wilcox. So if I understand this correctly, so it's Rick Berman and Brandon Braga saying, hey, this is our idea, Magnificent Seven in space. And then David Wilcox takes that idea and makes a story out of it. Is that correct? I I would assume. I mean, it's really complicated, especially in TV, because they've got the writer's room and everything. And lots of times there will be, you know, like people will write a draft and then that draft will be taken and given to someone else and modified so much that it basically doesn't look like anything like the first draft did that the other people wrote except for you know like an idea you know maybe the magnificent seven in space and you know they go back and forth with that whatever but given the fact that like Berman and Braga were like the creators of the show and everything like that and um you know David Wilcox is you know not I have a feeling what happened in this particular instance, and, I, and this is just a total guess on my part, is that Berman and Braga were coming up with ideas for the show, maybe probably a bunch of ideas for the show for different episodes. And this was one that they came came up with, you know, probably started off with one of them saying, Magnificent Seven in space. And then, you know, from there they were like, but we could alter it, where blah, 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 blah. And then they came up with this idea, and then they basically said like, we can't write 26 episodes ourselves. Yo, David, here, take this idea and flesh it out. You know, expand it, turn it into a screenplay. And then that's where, where Wilcox came in and did it. And I'm sure, like, the way that writers' rooms work and everything like that, I'm sure once Wilcox finished his draft or whatever, he gave it back to, you know, Braga, and Braga probably did a final polish on it, as he would have probably done with all the scripts for that that season you know i guess the thing that surprises me is seeing something like this where to me it's so obvious that this is inspired by 
you know, the Magnificent Seven, which is inspired by Magnificent, uh, by Seven Samurai. How come there's no credit given on screen inspired by this story? I guess that's the only thing I don't know. I don't know if you know that end of it, but that's something that surprises me when you see something that's clearly influenced by another piece of work. I think it's a case of a few things. One, I mean, everything's inspired by something. You know, maybe this one's a bit clearer than, you know, others, but you could still say that it's generic enough that it wouldn't, like, hold up in, you know, like, arbitration or whatever. You know, two, I'm sure there's a rights issue. And three, I'm sure there's a money issue. So, you know, all of those things probably come into play. But, I mean, it's not like a one-to-one thing. I think it's Very far true. enough away that, you know, they can get away with saying, yes, it's inspired by, but it's by no means like a ripoff, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, Brandon, how do you think this translated into Enterprise after watching The Magnificent Seven? Do you think it works in the television format? Do you think it's strange that there is no killing and no violence? Because in Magnificent Seven, I mean, they basically kill all the invaders throughout the movie. Spoilers. And in Marauders, they don't kill anybody. Yeah, I think it works for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think there could have been a little more drama with it. But... uh... It works fine for Star Trek. It's interesting because, like, especially with Seven Samurai, like, a lot of that movie is spent assembling the team, you know? And here the team's already assembled, so that whole side of it is just kind of, like, gone and, and sort of replaced with, you know, them saying, like, let us help you, you know? Let us help you figure this out. And that sort of, like, conflict there. Um, so the focus is really shifted to sort of like the end battle, but given the politics of it all and everything like that, I think they were really in a place where they couldn't really have anyone die aside from maybe like some colonists, right? Or the Klingons is what I mean. Mostly like not the the main characters, but the Klingons. I mean, I I think that if they, I think if they would have killed a Klingon, right. then there'd be all sorts of like, because there's a whole thing where they're like, can we get involved? You know, because the Klingons did this and that, and well, but are these guys really part of the Empire? You know, that sort of thing. Like, I I, I don't know. I get the impression that they were really trying to not kill any Klingons here. Yeah, me too. I don't don't think the Klingons were weirdly aware of Archer and his crew, except Paul, because she... uh... Knocked one on the butt. But even she, wasn't she wearing like one of the little... She was wearing a headset. <laughs> and she was dressed up headband. like the colonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And covering up her ears. Yeah. that's a We haven't seen that before. That's a great new thing to see in Star Trek. <laughs> well, chronologically speaking, it's the first time probably, right? <laughs> yeah. But I guess, yeah, I guess I'm just surprised that they don't kill any Klingons in it. I mean, it's Star Trek, but I mean, these Klingons have killed four of these colonists already. Right, so we know, and maybe it's just told just to, this is how bad these Klingons are that they've killed four of these people, you know. And they show the one scene where he's walking, he's like, "Oh, maybe I'll kill the boy this time." I'm a Klingon, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. So it's just it's interesting that they tell the story without the death of anybody, any villains, even. I don't know. I think given the the story, given the the place in in the in the overall story of Enterprise and everything like that, I mean, they weren't really hardcore into the the killing of people yet you know that didn't come until season three you know but you know i mean it's like because like they made a big deal out of like no crew members dying even you know 
and all that stuff. And I, I think in a lot of ways, Enterprise started off much tamer in that department than, than maybe the other series did. And I think that that was intentional. And I think like they, they really sort of made a big deal. Like anytime someone dies, it's a big deal, you know? Right. And and this is kind of a nothing episode in a lot of ways. It's a bottle show, you know, it's it doesn't really have a, a greater impact, you know, going forward or anything like that. So I think that it would have been it would have felt out of place in the rest of the series if like people were dying. Mm-hmm. You know? So with do you think that the storyline would have changed had this taken place after Archer got back from the Zindi conflict? Possibly. If it had more to do with the threat to Earth, it would have. That would have been an interesting like take on it, like if they had decided to set it. If the Klingons would have been Zindi. Right. Set it in the Zindi arc. That would have been, I think, a much different story. Like, I mean, like. Well, uh, Brand- American Brandon, what, what do you, what do you think this this episode would have been like if it had been in season three? Like if it had been in the Expanse? I think Archer and the Mekos would have killed them all. <laughs> Probably right. And then it, then he would have regretted it later. <laughs> I guess that's kind of their thing, right? I don't know. That would have been interesting. I mean, obviously, that's nothing that they were thinking about like this early on in season two, probably, but. I wonder, like, if, if they had waited till season three, if this would have been a better episode or a worse episode or what, you know? Now, comparing the episode itself to the movie, was there any scenes or any takes or any camera angles or anything like that that made you harken back to The Magnificent Seven after watching Marauders? Was there anything you're like, hey, they took that right from the movie or well, anything like that? It was Trip. Trip uh, bonded with that boy, Kale, and uh, Charles Bronson's character, uh, O'Reilly bonded with those three basket boys and that reminded me of the movie mm-hmm. a yeah and um yeah that's a good point then, then the training of the fighters and the defense training about paul and uh, travis yeah it seems like movies like this they've always got a scene of that lineup of people <laughs> and like that person walking in front of them training them saying you got to do this and you have to behave this way and be careful but don't do it this way and you just got to practice and like they did that even in you know seven samurai as well there's a scene like that where one of the one of the samurai warriors is just walking up and down the line of them talking to them and you know and coaching there, and them there's, and there's one guy in the line who's not hearing any of it you know and then they say like hey you better watch out or else and then that's the person who later on in the in the movie uh does that one thing in order to save everyone <laughs> or whatever <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that that is interesting. Um, I, I hadn't thought about the the relationship with the boy and how that mirrored it. The, the the similarities are so obvious in terms of the plot and everything later on that I think the thing that really struck me more than anything were the differences in getting to that point, you know, and how they did really flip the roles and have it be, you know, the gunslingers convincing the town instead of the other way around. One of the main differences that I noticed as the story got condensed as well is in Seven Samurai, they spend so much time on prepping the village. Like, I'm sure there's like an hour of that movie is them prepping the village. You know, they go around with that map and then they, you know, they they flood the area and they're building this and that. And it, it takes quite a fair chunk of that movie 
you know, but, uh, to to do that. And in Magnificent Seven, it's it's condensed quite a bit because you know they don't flood anything, right? Because they're in the desert of Mexico or whatever it is. But they build some walls and they build a few things, but it's quite condensed. And in this too, I mean, because it's only a forty minute show, you got to condense it even more. So that was one interesting thing that I missed from Seven Samurai is how much time it took them to prep the village. That's that's true. Yeah, here they just like kind of set up that fire thing or whatever it was, and then you know called it a day. <laughs> well, they moved the hut things over a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's yeah, and then there's that part where like the Klingons are like, "This isn't supposed to be here, right?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then fire. Yeah, everything gets moved fifty meters south. In this. Okay. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. You know, look at it in terms of like format and everything. I mean, like you're saying, Canadian Brandon, you know, Seven Samurai, like, is literally like five times as long as this episode. Like, literally. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, you, you look at um, even Magnificent Seven, it's like three times as long as this episode. And, you know, with each of those adaptations, you know, things are cut or whatever, and emphasis is placed in certain ways and, and, you know, not others and everything. And it's interesting how you can tell the same story in different ways, and you know, using different uh, techniques or whatever, and, you know, to the same effect. Or, you know, using the, the, basic, the basic outline of that story in order to sort of impart like a different message. You know, whereas like, you know, Magnificent Seven is sort of like all about like redemption for these people, like the the gunslingers. You know, this movie is not about that at all. It's more about, you know, like helping out um, these people in need and, and kind of like showing them that they're not alone. Whereas, you know, maybe that's true in the other way around in, in some ways uh, mm-hmm. for, for the movies. Right on. So, Brandon, any final thoughts on the movie and uh, episode comparison here? I first watched Magnificent Seven uh, 20 years ago, I guess. And uh, I think it stands up as a classic. Sometime I need to watch the, the three-hour-long Seven Samurai, but I just couldn't this time. <laughs> there's, there's a, just so you know, there's an intermission in the middle of it. So, you know, you could watch it over two nights, right? There's actual intermission right in the middle of it. It's a good time to take a break if you want to treat it like a mini series or something like that. It's still really long. <laughs> it's <laughs> My favorite my favorite quote, uh, I can't get it, the paraphrasing, uh, is when Archer said, I don't like bullies. I didn't like them on Earth, and I don't like them out here. Yep, yep. And that's... Uh, I like to share that quote a lot sometimes on social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can understand right that. So what would your final ratings be for the episode in the movie? Movie is A+. Plus. Yep. Uh, Marauders is a B. Just an average episode for you? Yes. Yeah. Good right on. Michael, any final thoughts? Um, well, it was interesting doing the comparison because, I mean, like, like you, Canadian Brandon, I, I didn't necessarily uh, pick up on the similarities between the two, you know, out of context. Like, I I mean, you know, I saw the episode when it was on, and, you know, I've watched it in various rewatches, but the first time I ever really examined it was for another podcast. Apparently, 
this, this is just I, I'm I'm being typecast by by Enterprise podcast. Whenever they talk about Marauders, they want me to come on for some reason. <laughs> and you know, like watching it that time, it was weird because like I didn't think about you know Magnificent Seven at all. I was just kind of looking at it in the context of Enterprise, and it was interesting in that sense. But now looking at it as a Magnificent Seven, you know, sort of like remake it really sort of made me question like a lot of the choices which were made early on in the episode, you know, the setup, not so much like the, the ending. And, uh, it was, it was interesting. Um, and it also made me think a lot about the other Star Trek episode, which is a, uh, Magnificent Seven remake, which I, I oh, can't yes. believe no one has brought up. Oh my goodness. Yes. But the Magnificent Ferengi, obviously. You know? It's not necessarily a remake because there's there's a lot of elements, and it, that one is definitely more inspired by the Magnificent Seven than Seven Samurai. Yeah, right. But but here's the thing, right? <laughs> well, this the climax of the movie and everything, you know, and you could say maybe the heart of the movie, it, you know, or the episode is inspired by the Magnificent Seven, like. The beginning of the Magnificent Seven is really where the Magnificent Ferengi takes its cue. It really is about assembling this team of, you know, misfits who don't want to do this and who are doing it for, you know, various reasons, which are probably against their better judgment and, you know, going in and, and taking on this thing even though the premise of, you know, like what it is they're they're going to do is different from, you know, what we see like here and and in the Magnificent Seven, but it's I almost want to do a double feature, or maybe a triple feature, where you watch the Magnificent Seven and then the Magnificent Ferengi for the beginning of the Magnificent Seven and Marauders for the end of Magnificent Seven. You know, and then the Seven Samurai because it's the best. I mean, that's that's a, a thing which, you know, you said and most people would probably agree with, but I'm not necessarily one of those people. So, Oh, my goodness. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because in in Magnificent Ferengi, they're doing the, the finger motion of every time they add somebody, they hold up their fingers for the counting. We have three, we have four. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they do that in this one, and they don't do that in, Mag- in Seven Samurai. No, even so. like the recruiting of the people, and then like even in like the staging where it's got like all of them lined up and everything. I mean, that episode is like really playing on sort of like the, the, you know, almost like iconic, like stereotypical Western, you know, tropes and saying like, we're having fun with this, guys. Look, it's a Western, but they're a bunch of Ferengi, you know. I mean, whereas like with with this one, it's more like you know, story-wise, it gets it, but it's not, you know, like, visually speaking, you know, you don't, you know, see a guy on a horse riding riding off in the sunset or anything like that, but it's still definitely a Western, you know, as well. Uh, it's interesting. Two different takes, uh, two different Star Trek episodes, but, you know, this one's a drama, the other one's a comedy, you know, inspired by the same movie, but in different ways. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. You didn't think Marauders was very funny? Not intentionally, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you rate uh, Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, and uh, Marauders? Uh, okay, if we're doing like a a, a four-star scale? Sure. Okay, I would give Seven Samurai three stars. Uh, 
and I would give Magnificent Seven three stars, and I'd give Marauders three stars. But there's, there's different levels of three stars in each of those things. Like Magnificent Seven is like a high three, Marauders is like a low three, Seven Samurai is like a middle three. <laughs> seven, so Seven Samurai is three out of five. Magnus and Seven's three out of three, and Marauders is three out of seven. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would go that far with some of those ratings, but sure. Okay, let's Something do that. Like that. Let's do that then. Well, my final thoughts on this. I think it's interesting, and I couldn't I, I couldn't believe that I'd never seen the comparison before until this rewatch, right? I mean, I haven't seen the episode many times, but even when it originally aired, I watched it. And I can't believe I didn't see the comparison to you know, Seven Samurai, at least. I hadn't seen Magnificent Seven at the time, but uh, I couldn't believe I didn't see the comparison. Um, I like it a lot. I think it's fun when people do this. I think it's fun when they take an inspiration from a classic movie and they, they write something modern for it, something different to fit it into their universe. The one line that I really like in this one that I also question as well is, I like when Archer brings up the line, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish and he'll eat for the rest of his life. I really like that line in general. I like it a lot. And I I, I think I hold that dear to my heart. And I've said it many times to people as well. But I question whether or not they're going to survive when the clowns come back the next time. Like, you know, in, in Seven Samurai, all the samurai invaders are dead. And in Magnificent Seven, all the all the Mexican invaders are dead. And in this, the clowns are still alive. And I think I could just picture them warping out of the system and going back. Like, wait a minute. Screw these people. They come back and just blow them all away, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like Enterprise leaves and the colonists are like, I thought you were going to teach us how to fish, dude. Wait. <laughs> We didn't learn how to fish. Oh, I misunderstood what he meant. Oh, well. So, I would give uh, Seven Samurai, i got to give that a 5 out of 5. Mangus and Seven, i give a 4 out of 5. And Marauders, I'd probably give a 2.5 out of 5. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a right average mo- episode of Enterprise myself. So, uh, Excellent, though. Brandon, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at PackerBAC. On Facebook, I'm in the Babel Conference, and uh, I have a Facebook group called Captain Jonathan Archer's Dining Room. Mm-hmm. Mm. And for those that are uh, not watching video here, you missed at the beginning here when Brandon put the cheese on his head. Packers cheese fans. head. Yeah, Packers Packer fans, fan. you know. Mm. <laughs> they had to explain to me that Wisconsin apparently has good cheese. I, I feel bad for you, Canadian Brandon, for not knowing about Wisconsin's cheese. And I, I'm assuming because of that, not experiencing Wisconsin's cheese. But uh, if you ever come south of the border, uh, I mean, that's like the first thing you'll hit. So uh, definitely go to the Mars Cheese Castle and uh, get yourself some cheese. Excellent. Right on. Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, right here on Trek FM doing Stage 9, where we talk about the people who make Star Trek. And you can find me on a few other podcasts uh, scattered throughout uh, the the internet. Um, and if you go to uh, Episode 17 of Stage 9, we talk about um, more specifically the, um, the the new Magnificent Seven, the, the re-remake, and the music in that by, by James Horner. But we also talk about, you know, the other films as well and everything. So so head on over there and check that out. And and you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Excellent. What about, uh, are you doing any Soderbergh work right now? 
Oh, yeah. Soderbergh 2828 on Talk Film Society, where we're talking about all of Steven Soderbergh's movies uh, leading up to the release of Logan Lucky. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we're, we're more than halfway through right now. We, we just released an episode on Bubble, which is amazing. And uh, we're going to be talking about The Good German very soon. So. Uh, is, that, is that what's next? Yep. Yeah. See, okay, so I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So, okay, so The Good German upset me, and I never, I didn't finish it. I put it on and I didn't finish it, and I'll tell you why it upset me, and you tell me what I, th- what you think. I, I only watched like five minutes of the movie oh. so far, and it upset me because he went through all this trouble of like recreating the lighting, recreating the film stock, using the cameras doing everything he could to make this movie, filming it in 4 by 3 you know, to make this movie look like a movie from the 50s, and every other word out of these people's mouth is the F word. It, it, was, it was an interesting take. I mean, I think the idea was to do something with modern sensibilities, but using only the technology of the time. Like, there's some camera movements and stuff, which you wouldn't see back then, but which they could have done had they thought of them. You know, so I don't know. It's I, I, I haven't seen it since the theater. I'm going to be watching it probably, you know, tomorrow or the next day. So I don't know. I, I can't I can't speak to it exactly yet, okay. but I'll, I'll, I'll listen. Listen, tune in to Talk Film Society to uh, to hear my thoughts in, in, a, in a week or so. I'll check it out. I'm too behind right now because I can't find a copy of Bubble or uh, or. Uh... It was the one before Eros, so oh. I gotta I gotta find a copy of those to watch. But uh, right. anyway, <laughs> excellent, right on. Well, talking about uh, the Magnuson Seven and uh, Steven Soderbergh is not the only thing we've been doing here on the network this week. So take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek FM, melodic treks. You know the way it slowly builds and then just crescendos and ends. With an explosion, anytime a movie starts with something exploding, you know you're going to be in for, for a good time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really kind of obsessed with the way movies start. Literary Treks. McCoy eventually gets command of the Enterprise, and one of the reasons for this is that he makes little comments to Kirk occasionally about how he has a cushy job. You know, he's got, oh, this nice, comfortable chair he can sit in. Because McCoy, at this point, he's got a lot of people getting sick on the Enterprise. There's colds, there's broken legs or whatever. I mean, there's just, for some reason, sickbay is busy. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. The thing that finally pushed me over the edge. This is going to sound so stupid. I've said this before. They were releasing a uh, Superman versus Aliens comic book. And I was like, oh, I guess I better get ready for Superman versus Aliens <laughs> and watch, you know, the Alien movies. The Ready Room. Every major turn in Star Trek history has been an adjustment to get used to it. Even going into motion picture when all people had done for 10 years was pray to their savior gene to get a show back, to get it back. And even with all the changes and even the canon explanation for the changes, it was still a big change. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.
If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review if you think we've been doing a great job. We think we've been doing a great job, and that helps us out a lot by rating and reviewing the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is to join in the larger conversation at the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find us on Twitter at trek.fm and Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. Well, Floyd is always available in the Babel Conference as well, so that's probably the best place to find him. He's not available on Twitter. However, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. I'm also in the Facebook Babel Conference quite often. And if you want to find some of my other shows, I'm here on the network with Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And I'm over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom, where we have the show Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, where we talk about Alfred Hitchcock's movies. And you can find that show on Twitter at Good Evening Pod. And we're also on Facebook. Just search Good Evening Podcast. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. And that's all available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month, and we really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. And at this time, we'd like to thank our associate producers for Warp 5, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, and Michael Morrison. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We really appreciate your help. Well, that's all for this week, so we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>